Bibles, if you would, to Matthew chapter 11. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 11. This morning we're going to be looking at a parable. Uh, as most of you know, we're looking at the parables of Christ uh, this year. Uh, and and I, I have thoroughly enjoyed studying and praying over these parables. But um, this morning we're going to be looking... Um, at a parable, if you if you were to isolate this parable and only read the parable, you kind of would think, okay, what's the point? It, it 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 doesn't by itself it doesn't make a lot of sense. The name that theologians have given this parable is uh, the parable of a friend in need. Uh, if I were to entitle it, I would probably call it the parable of the. Uh, pesty neighbor or the irritating neighbor or something like that. When we read it in a minute, you'll understand what I'm talking about. Um, But knowing the purpose of this parable can change your life. See, we oftentimes we read these parables and we read them out of context and they and they really don't make a lot of sense. But when you read it in context, it makes more sense. So let's let's look at uh, Matthew chapter 11, verses five through eight. It says, and he said unto them, which of you have a have a friend and should go unto him in midnight and say unto him, friend, lend me three loaves. What did I, Luke, what did I say, Matthew? Oh, man, turn to Luke. Do as I, do, do, do as you see, not as I say. I don't know where Matthew came from. Anyway, Luke, yeah. Wow, that's pretty sad, isn't it? Ay, ay, ay. I don't know, I have Matthew on the brain. I don't know, I, anyway. Yeah, Luke chapter 11. Let me know when you all are there. Okay, are we there? Okay, let's try it again. And he said uh, unto them, Which of you have a friend and shall go unto him at midnight and say unto him, Friend, let me three loaves. For a friend of mine mine in his journey has come to me, and I have nothing to uh, set before him. And he... Uh, from within shall answer and say, Trouble me not. The door is now shut, and my children and are with me in bed. I cannot arise and give thee. You see what I mean about the irritating neighbor? <laughs> anyway, um, uh, and I say unto him, or excuse me, unto you, though he will not rise and give him, because he is a, his friend, Yet, because of his importunity, he will rise and give him as much as he needeth. So let's pray. Ask God, God to bless this morning. Dear Lord, thank you again for this day. Thank you for your love and for the work you do in our lives. And Lord, as we look at this parable and the surrounding verses, we ask, dear God, that you would speak to our hearts, that you would encourage us with these very precious truths and that you would help us to see and to know what you would have for us this morning. For it's in Christ's name we pray. 
Amen. Again, this this parable, independent of itself, really doesn't really mean a whole lot. It just you got this guy's got a neighbor who's a little irritating and won't leave him alone. Hey, I'm in bed. You know, most of us. <coughs> I had a neighbor one time. <coughs> we were my wife and I were we were we were. I can't remember if we were in bed or we were just about to go to bed. Anyway, boom, 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 boom. Man, I thought he was gonna knock my door down. I go running out and he and I open the door and he's standing there. He's like, "You gotta come, you gotta come." And and I got a stake in my house. I'm like, what do you want me to do? <laughs> Deal with it yourself, man. But anyway, so he anyway. Long story. Um, he he's Jehovah's Witness. Um, so they're, they're not allowed to hurt anything like that. And so, um, but he wants me to hurt it. <laughs> kind of the same thing. But anyway, so, so I, I ran, I ran into the garage. I grabbed a bucket and a shovel and, uh, go tearing into their house. And he says, it's right over there. And I looked and I didn't see anything. It was a little garter snake about this long had come in under their back. Anyway. So I just scooted it in the bucket, and but anyway, uh, that was an irritating neighbor. Okay, just just saying. Um, yeah, don't be that neighbor. Um, at least it could have been a big one, you know. But anyway, but 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 seriously, <clears throat> independent of itself of the the surrounding text, the the story is just about two neighbors, and one of them's just a little irritating. But when you see the context of what's going on, again, and understand the culture of the day, this parable can be life-changing. So let's read the context and see what is going on. In chapter 11, Luke chapter 11, in verse 1, And it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. And he said unto them, When ye pray, say, Our Father, which uh, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done, as in heaven, so in earth. Give us day by day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And then he goes into the parable uh, that we just read. The neighbor who comes to the house and beats on the door and says, hey, I need some food. I have a friend who has come from a far country. He's traveling, and I need to feed him. I don't have, I, I used up all my food. I don't have anything. But look at verse 8. It says, and say unto, unto you, though he will not rise and give him because he is his friend. In other words, the guy got up and gave him the food, not because he's his friend, but because he wouldn't stop. He wouldn't stop. 
because, uh, or yet because of his importunity, he will rise and give him as much as he needed. So, what is the context of the parable of the friend in need? The context is prayer. But it's not just prayer. It is persistent prayer. I have had many people through the years <clears throat> to say to me, but, but Pastor, I've tried that prayer thing and it doesn't work. Really? How many times have you prayed? Well, I prayed once. Okay. God wants us to be persistent in our prayers. And as I looked, as I was thinking about our, our, our theme this year, Firm Foundation, I, I thought there's nothing more foundational than prayer in our lives. So I thought taking a season, uh, 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 some time today to talk about prayer is vital. So the, the title of my message this morning is prayer, Praying with a Purpose. Praying with a Purpose. Because if we just, if we just randomly pray, it, it kind of doesn't have any purpose. And Jesus very sim- simply here <clears throat> gives us purpose in our prayer. And we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, <clears throat> but one of the mistakes that we can make, and I'm guilty of this. I don't know if anybody else in the world is, but I'm guilty of this. And that is my prayer life, I can get into a rut. Y'all know what a rut is? Okay, I, I can just get stale and I go, go through the motions and I, I spend a season in prayer in the morning and I, I get up and I think, wow, that was like almost worthless. Because I get into a rut and I don't know if other people do, but I have to do things in my prayer life to keep my prayer life fresh and anew. I change it up constantly. I, I revisit my prayer life and I, I'm, I have to constantly, I don't know if it's because of the, the way my brain works or not, I don't know, but it's something I have to battle. One of the things I have in my office is a quote from a guy named John Bunyan. John Bunyan is a famous, famous uh, Christian of, of old. Uh, anyway, this, he said this, he says in prayer, oh, I have a, I have a there you go, in prayer... It is better to have a heart without words than words without heart. Now let let this sink in because God is not interested in a bunch of empty words. And I'll be straight honest with you. There have been many times in my life that I have prayed and earnestly sought God and never said a word. Just my heart aching. Have you ever been there? You you just your heart is just pouring out, and you 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 literally hurt, and you don't have words to say. That is true prayer, my friend. Empty words mean nothing to God, but a heart that wants 
to long to communicate to God, that is prayer. So point number one this morning, praying with purpose, the priority, the priority of prayer. The priority of prayer. Look at, look at verse 1. It says, And it came to pass that as he prayed a certain, in, in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. John here is not referring to the disciple John or John the Beloved. It's referring to John the Baptist. And John the Baptist had followers or disciples, and he had taught them to pray. John was a prophet and ultimately a martyr for Jesus Christ. Jesus called him the greatest prophet. And in Luke chapter 7 and verse 28, it says, For I say unto you, among those that are born of, of women, there is none, uh, excuse me, there is not a greater prophet than John the Baptist, but he that is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. John's testimony of Christ in Mark chapter 1, verses 6 and 7. And John uh, was clothed with camel's hair. Th this guy dressed really weird, had a strange diet. He was just not normal, just saying. Okay, uh, John clothed with camel hair and... Uh, uh, and uh, uh, with a, a girdle of a skin uh, about his loin, and did eat locusts and honey. Uh, what a diet. Um, uh, and, and preached, saying, There is one mightier than I after me, the latches of whose shoes I am not worthy to stoop down and unloose. That is an incredible statement. John the Baptist is saying, and Jesus is saying, hey, there's nobody, there was not a greater prophet than John the Baptist. And John the Baptist is saying, you know what, there's one coming, Jesus Christ, who I am not worthy to even bend over and untie his shoes. That's a statement. Jesus' disciples ask him, an incredible question. Now, now try and get a hold of this, because this is this is this is incredible. At least in my thinking, will you teach us to pray like John taught his disciples? And you think, what's well, what's so big about that? Well, they didn't ask. Hey, Jesus, teach us how to preach so we can be famous preachers. They didn't say, hey, teach us uh, how to learn how to do miracles because we want to go around healing people. But what did they ask? They said, help us learn how to pray. And as I thought about it, it is, prayer is the most intimate thing that we can do with God. And they had a burning desire to have an intimate relationship with an almighty God. And every time we go to God in prayer, every time we go to God in prayer, we can have that relationship with God. Question, 
And this has been a question that I've, I've heard many theologians kind of argue about. Why hadn't Jesus taught them how to pray already? I, I've heard a lot of theological arguments over this, a couple of them. Uh, one is, <clears throat> uh, w- what is prayer? Simply put, prayer is just talking to God. Well, in, in essence, what were his disciples doing with him every day? Talking to him. Okay, So if you think about it logically, they didn't need to pray because they were talking to him already, right? But Jesus goes ahead and teaches them how to pray, how to have that intimate, uh, intimate time with their Heavenly Father. Prayer is just simply talking or having a conversation with God. And I will be asked oftentimes by young young believers, how do I pray? And my, my answer simply usually is, you talk to God just like we're talking now. That's what he wants. He just wants to have a conversation. <laughs> share your heart, share your burdens. I think another reason why his disciples wanted to learn how to pray is because they saw him pray often. A few examples in Luke chapter 3, verse 21, Luke chapter 6, verse 12, Luke 5, 16, Luke 9, 18, Luke 9, 29, and I could go on and on and on. But they saw him pray often. And they wanted what he had. Because I, I don't know, obviously I wasn't there, but I, I believe that they could sense a oneness with God and Jesus when, when he was in prayer. I'm, I'm just, that, that's, my, that's my take. In Mark chapter 1 and verse 35, and in the morning rise, rising up a great, <coughs> excuse me, a great while before day, he went out and departed into a solitary place and there prayed. Now, as I was thinking about this, I thought, you know, it's clear that Jesus needed prayer, right? I mean, you don't get out uh, several hours before sunup and go pray unless you need to pray. So then the the next logical step in in that thought process is, if Jesus needs prayer, how much more do we need prayer? We desperately need to spend time in prayer. Desperately. Pray with purpose. So, the priority of prayer. Now let's look at the pattern of prayer. Verses 2 through 4. We read that a moment ago, so I'm not going to read it again. Um, But often it's called the Lord's Prayer. Uh, many, Many people, if you were to... Uh, if I were to ask, you know, okay, let's repeat the Lord's Prayer, I would say the majority of the people in this room this morning could recite it with me. <clears throat> but I want to look at it because Jesus never meant the prayer to be recited over and over and over. Okay? 
the, 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 the Lord's Prayer is not a secret formula to get things that you want. Okay, and that's what a lot of people use the Lord's Prayer for. It's, it, that's not what it is. It, is. it is a pattern that he put forth for his disciples to follow. Because what was his, what was his disciples asking? Teach us to pray. And Jesus did not say, repeat after me. Right? He said, this is a pattern that you need to use. So let's look at the pattern. I, I want <clears throat> to... Oh, well, before I get to that, uh, Matthew chapter 6 and verse, uh, verses 6 and 7, it says, Be, uh, But thou, when thou prayest, enter into, in, into thy closet, and when thou hast shut the door, pray uh, to thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. But when you pray, use not vain repetition as the heathen do, for they think, that they shall be heard for their much speaking. So Jesus very clearly here says, don't, don't get into a rut in your prayer life. Okay? At least that's how I read it. Amen. Do, do things in your life to keep yourself from getting into a rut. Saying the same thing over and over and over, oh, bless so-and-so and bless so-and-so. And bless. You know, you need to, you need to talk to God. So Jesus <clears throat> gives us six things in, in the Lord's Prayer I want to I point out. Six things <clears throat> that we should consider when we're praying. Number one, <clears throat> our relationship. Our relationship. What does he start with? He starts with our Father. Our Father. The Father, the, the name Father, the title Father to, for God is one of endearment. Okay? Um, he is not an impersonal God sitting on a throne just waiting for somebody to mess up so he can stick, him, stick his thumb on him and drive him into the ground. That's not God. He is our Father. Again, it's an intimate term that... <clears throat> How many times in your life when you were growing up, did you just need to talk to your dad? Just call your dad and say, Dad, what do I do? I've done it. Before my dad died, I did it hundreds of times. Dad, I need advice. And this is the, this is the title that Jesus starts with. He says, Our Father. And he, and he uses this, this term so that, again, it's a, it's a term of endearment. He is our Father that wants to hear from us. And those of you that are parents understand the desire for your children to call and talk and, and share their burdens with you. The next term that he uses or the next thing he gives us, number two, is our respect. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Hallowed be thy name. The word hallowed here means to be holy or, or to reverence. 
hallowed be thy name. Or, okay, let me put it to you this way. He is not the man upstairs. He is a holy God that wants our respect, who wants our reverence. Now, he is our father, but he is also holy. And he's reverent. So Jesus very clearly puts forth two things. Our relationship and our respect. He gives us very clear direction how we are to speak to God in a very reverent and respectful way. The third thing he gives us here is our submission. Our submission. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done, as in heaven, so on earth. Our goal in prayer should be your will for my life, not my will. Thy will be done. And as we pray, we should always pray in the context of God, your will be done in my life. One of the things that I do, and I, I, I talk about not getting into a rut, but I try to do this as often as I pray. And I, 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 I say this, your will, not mine. Because that should be the heartbeat of our prayer. Your will, thy will be done. All our prayers must always understand that His will be done in our lives. Solomon, one of the smartest guys to ever walk the face of the earth, took most of his life to figure it out. In Ecclesiastes chapter 12 and verse 13, he says, Let us hear the uh, conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. This is the whole duty of man. You know what? Solomon finally figured out. He's like, you know what? Your will be done in my life. Because what did Solomon do? Solomon spent his whole life doing what, what he wanted. But he finally figured it out. Now let me ask a question here. Is it wrong to pray for our wants. No, it's not. Now, now Jesus doesn't specifically uh, talk about this in this in in the Lord's Prayer, but in other places we know that He wants to hear our wants. He wants to know our wants. But but don't think just because you want something that He He has to answer it according to your will. Because how is he going to answer it? According to his will. And that has to be the heartbeat of our prayers. Your will be done. Your will. Number four. So we have our relationship, our respect, our submission, and then number four, our needs. Give us day by day our daily bread. Occasionally, someone will say to me, 
Pastor, I, I, I have a hard time praying for myself. And I will often bring them back to the Lord's Prayer and remind them that God tells us to pray for our daily needs. The word give here is, is, is very specific, and that is the fact that we need to recognize that he is the giver of our needs, not our paycheck. Not our government. Not anything. He supplies our needs. We need to get a hold of that. I told you at the beginning, if, you, if, if we can get a hold of the principle that Jesus gives us in, in uh, this parable, it would be life-changing. And this is one point that is absolutely vital for us to understand, is that he is the giver of our needs. He and no one else. The second thing that that we see here is day by day. And we should be in dependence on him every day, every hour of every day. Now, I I have had the privilege to travel to multiple third world countries. Uh, God has just given me that privilege. And and I'll tell you what, one of the things that I have learned is that the majority of Americans today do not understand what it means to trust God every day. Because I can go to your homes and I can guarantee just about everybody in this this auditorium this morning <clears throat> if you did not shop for two weeks you would not go hungry Amen. now you may not eat what you want but you definitely would not go hungry so then how then do we in this prosperous country that we live in how then do we become dependent on God every single day the only way we can do that is through a, a healthy prayer life. Spending time with God, pouring out our needs to Him, and talking with Him every single day. That's the only way it can happen. Then the third thing we see here is the word bread. And this is specifically speaks to the, the need of the day. Because how, how many of you uh, can relate to this? Uh, you can go to Walmart or, or oh, please, not Walmart, um, <laughs> anywhere <laughs> and buy a loaf of bread. And, and, and what is that? You know, what's the shelf life of a loaf of bread? Three, four weeks? No, I, I'm teasing. I, I don't know. My wife makes our bread. I have no idea. So what, what a week? Maybe a, maybe a little over a week, Okay. I've been in countries where literally they shop for bread every single day. They go to the bakery every day. Because bread is, you know, generally they're not big loaves. They're they're small little hard things that you could use as a weapon. And the, the entire family eats on that for that day. And then they have to go the next day and buy another loaf of bread. And the, the, 
The culture, the culture then, that's exactly what this bread represented. Every single day, you had to buy bread. Give us this day our daily bread. So we have our relationship, our respect, our submission, our needs. And then the, the, the fifth thing that he gives us is our hearts. He, he, deals, he deals with our hearts. And give us, excuse me, and forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. Repentance is such an important part of our lives. We have to learn how to forgive and be forgiven. I can't tell you how many times I have heard the statement, Pastor, I just can't forgive what? Myself. I can forgive other people, but I just can't. I, what I did was so wrong or so stupid. I mean, you fill in the blank. I've heard it all. And I just can't forgive myself because I did wrong. You know what? Repentance and forgiveness is so important in our lives. And we need to learn how to go to God and say, God, forgive me. And then we need to learn to move on. Because once that sin is forgiven, it is cast away. Unforgiveness. Unforgiving others and unforgiving ourselves hinders our prayer lives. It hinders our ability to communicate with God because there's sin in our lives. So when we pray, God can't hear us. We need to keep a short account with God. Matthew chapter 5 and verses 23 and 24. Therefore, if, there, uh, if thou bringest thy gift to the altar, and there rememberest that thy brother had ought against thee, leave there thy gift before the altar, and go thy way. First be reconciled with thy brother, and then come and offer thy gift. <clears throat> this is so, so, so important. Chris, can we back up to the, the verse 23, please? Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar and there rememberest that thy brother had ought against thee. It doesn't say that you go and you remember, hey, I did somebody wrong. But you go and you re remember, you know what? I did nothing wrong, but they think I did something wrong. The brother has ought against you. You don't necessarily have ought against your brother. What are you supposed to do? You're supposed to go and do everything in your power to make it right. I've had people ask me, well, what if they, don't, what if they won't make it right? You know what? Your obligation is done. You have done everything you can to make it right. And then number six, the sixth thing, and I think one of the most important parts of the Lord's Prayer is our yielding. Our yielding. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Look at that in verse 4. 
that phrase. And lead us, the, the last sentence in verse 4, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. I want you to look at that, that, that sentence, and I want you to, you tell me what the most important word in that sentence is. Lead, you're right. It's the word lead. What does the word lead imply? You're following. So when we pray, lead us not into temptation, the, the, the implication is you're willing to follow. You're willing to yield your life to his will. Lead me. Show me. I can't do it myself. It is a, it is a clear-cut case of me yielding my life, my will, to the Heavenly Father. <clears throat> Boy, if we could get a hold of that. But I don't know about you, but I, I tend to be a little stubborn. I know nobody else in here is stubborn. <clears throat> but what happens? We want it our way, do we not? And we want to live our lives the way we want to live our lives. But Jesus is saying here, look, if you're going to pray right, you're going to have to acknowledge that God has a will for your life and you need to yield your will and follow his will. There's another important word in this last sentence, and that is the word deliver. The word deliver. The word is the word deliver is not a prayer to avoid conflict. What this word is not saying, okay, Lord, lead me, but don't let me get in any hard situations. That's not what the word deliver means. The word deliver says, Lord, as you lead me and I go through hard times. Deliver me. Because hard times is part of life. So we need to understand what Jesus is telling his disciples. We need to be yielded, but we need to understand the hard times are just part of life. So we see, number one, the priority of prayer. Number two, the pattern of prayer. And then number three, the persistence in prayer. And for time's sake, we're not going to read the, 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 the uh, parable again. Um, but we, we saw the guy coming over and over and over. So the purpose of the parable is to demonstrate that we need to be persistent in our prayer life. We need to be persistent. The, the word, <clears throat> well, let me see if I can find it. Um, in verse 8, he uses a word that is not common, uh, obviously, in 21st century English, but is the word importunity. Okay, importunity is not one of these words that we go around using all the time, but it, it, it literally means to be persistent, but not disrespectful. Okay, you know, I, I said earlier that we could we could read into this that the guy was just an irritating neighbor, and that would be unrespectful or uh, in respect, uh, disrespectful. There you go. I knew that wasn't right. 
Okay, disrespectful. But we see in verse 2 that God is our Father. But we see in verses 5 through 8 that God, that Jesus represents God as a friend. A friend that we should respect. Warren Rearsby wrote this. He said, the argument is clear. If persistent, <clears throat> if persistence finally paid off uh, as a man beat on the door of his reluctant friend, how much more would persistence bring blessing as we pray to our Heavenly Father? After all, we are the children in his home. As we pray and we are persistent and we, we, we don't get disrespectful, but we persist in our prayer. See, we have to understand the culture. Hospitality in this culture was very important. And the neighbor who was doing the knocking... Everybody that heard this parable knew the importance of getting some food because the culture said, I have to feed my friend and I have no food. So what is the option? Run to 7-Eleven. They didn't have 7-Elevens. Okay? What did he have to do? He had to go to a neighbor who, how he knew, don't know, but he obviously knew his, his neighbor had food. And he, and, he, and he persisted. Why? Because culture said, I have to feed this neighbor. Why did the guy finally get up? Because he understood the culture that his friend wasn't going to quit until he got up, gave him food so that he could fulfill his part of the, 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 the requirement of the culture. If a person, if, if the guy absolutely refused to get out of bed, it would have forced him to go to another neighbor, but he would have, he would have offended his family and his village. It would have brought great dishonor to his family and to his village. That's why he did it. Phillips Brooks wrote this, Persistence in prayer is not an attempt to change God's mind. Because what, what did we say already? Thy will be done. So it's not an attempt to change God's mind, but to get ourselves to the place where he can trust us with the answer. In other words, persistent prayer is about us, not about him. Because I'll be honest with you, there have been times that I have prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed for something. And then after a while, realize, obviously that's not God's will for my life. But then there have been times I have prayed and prayed and prayed and God has answered in his time, in his will for my life. Persistent prayer is more about us 
than it is him. In fact, I should say it is all about us because he knows his will. And his will for our lives is always right. And then number four in closing, the promise of prayer. The promise of prayer. Look at verse 9. And I say unto you, ask and it shall be given you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and he that knocketh it shall be open. Now you have to understand the tense of the verbs being used here. The, 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 the asking, the seeking, and the knocking. Again, the tense of the verb. In Greek, they have tenses, okay? But what this is saying is, keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. He, he's not saying, you know, uh, those of you that ask, one time. That's not what he's saying. Those of you that knock one time, I'll open the door. No, what he's saying is keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking, constant, persistent prayer. And when you do that, God will answer your prayers. Let me give you the warning here. It may not always be what you want. You have to keep in the back of your mind, thy will be done. Prayer is so important. In other words, what Jesus is saying in verses 9 and 10, don't come to God in the middle of the night after life is falling apart and expect him to answer your prayer immediately. Prayer needs to be a part of your life every single day so that when life happens, it is not an, a, a, an anomaly for you to pray. It is a natural reflex that you just automatically just start praying, God, help me. You should not have to say, uh, God, uh, yeah, this is Rick again. Yeah, you remember me? Yeah, I live over on Poppy Hills. Yeah, you remember? Okay. Yeah, okay. No, that, that's not, No. We should have such communication with God that it is automatic that we just go to him in prayer. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 17 it says pray without ceasing. And please don't run down the interstate with your eyes closed, okay? That's not what it's talking about. But we can be in an attitude of prayer all the time. And that's what he wants. He doesn't want to wait until the neighbor to, to the to the to the traveling friend comes and knocks on your door and then you're in a jam and you're like, okay, what do I do? That's not what he wants you to do. He wants you to keep asking, keep seeking, and keep knocking all the time, every day. Look at verse eleven. If a son shall ask bread of any of you. That is a father. Will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he ask, uh, excuse me, will, will he, for a fish, give him a serpent? Or if he ask an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If ye then, being evil, 
know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask Him? Jesus reminds us that God knows us and will do what's best for us. Again, keeping in mind the entire time, your will be done. Your will be done. If, a, if, if, if we as earthly parents know how to take care of our children, how much more can our Heavenly Father take care of us? Especially when our children are little, we, we as parents tend to think we know what our children need, right? Have you ever guessed wrong? I never did. <laughs> no, what, what are we doing? We, but our Heavenly Father knows what we need. He knows us. And He's going to do what's best for us. Cons- persistent prayer. Persistent prayer. Don't get in a rut. Do things in your prayer life to constantly shake it up so that you you don't get into a rut. And remember Paul Bunyan, Paul Bunyan, geez. Where did that come from? John Bunyan's quote I read a few minutes ago. In prayer, it is better to have a heart without words than words without heart. Let that sink in. Because God, if, if, if the best thing you can do, if the best thing you can do is just sit and say, oh God, help. That to God is music to his ears. Because there are times when we are in situations that that's all. There have been many times that's all I've got. That's it. In prayer, it is better to have a heart without words than words without heart. Jesus very clearly, very clearly gives us a purpose in our prayer. Don't quit. Don't quit. Be persistent. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for your love and for the work you do in our lives. And Lord, we are truly, truly blessed in this nation. And Lord, the, the, the reality is we, we are so blessed and we have so much. It can be difficult for us to depend on you daily. But Lord, you know our hearts and you know the needs and the desires of everyone in this room this morning. And I ask your God that you would do a mighty work in our hearts and that you would help us to see and to know your will for our lives. Help us, dear God, to be persistent in our prayers. 
respectful, but persistent. We are so blessed. With every head bowed and every eye